Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're locked in. Look at what we have here, folks. To the only show that matters. The cream of the crop. Duke loves wrestling. And there is no one that does it better than your host. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. The Duke. And I'm all out of bubblegum. I'm Harry Burkett, senior writer with Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And I'm Kevin McElvaney, editor-in-chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Duke, Duke Loves, Loves Wrestling. Wrestling. We are doing a special episode of the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast this week. Pro Wrestling Illustrated is the topic, a topic that is so near and dear to my heart. Listen, fellas, welcome, welcome, welcome. How are we doing? Doing great. Glad to be here. Yeah, good, good. Took a break from... Uh, Saturday gardening work. It's a beautiful day in suburban Philadelphia. I'm uh, excited to do this. So wait, Kevin, are, are you the real fresh prince? Are you planning on leaving Philadelphia to, to head up over to uh, Bel Air? I mean, I, I've lived in and around Philadelphia my whole life, so it's pro- probably not going to happen. Uh, but I mean, if I, if I find that I have, you know, a rich auntie and uncle out there, then yeah, sure. That sounds great. Now listen, Harry. I know that you're you're a guy that likes to keep things in order here. You don't want me to stray too far off the beaten path here, but I got to do this. So please, Harry, okay. don't get mad at me over okay. this, please. Kevin, I went to the very first Ring of Honor show. Uh, the era of honor begins. Okay, I tell the story all the time. I was part of the RF Video newsletter. So when they were putting everything together, you know, they said there's going to be a van that's going to pick you up wherever you are. And take you to the events, you know, pay a couple bucks, whatever. So I loaded up in a van with a bunch of strangers from all over New England, New Hampshire, Maine, me in Boston, Massachusetts. And we went and we enjoyed the show. And then after the show, we went to Gino's for a Philly cheesesteak. And I'm going to tell you something, Kevin. And and Harry, don't get upset with me over this. I know that I'm kind of, you know, being a little fresh here. But I live in Boston, Massachusetts, where we have steak and cheese subs, Kevin. And I'm telling you right now, that was the worst steak and cheese sub, whatever this this, this Philly <laughs> cheesesteak business is, what the cheese whiz that's not really cheese. I don't know what that stuff was. So, Kevin, you, you got to answer for this. What the heck is going on with this Philly cheesesteak business? Okay, so first off, you went to the tourist spot. And uh, of the two tourist spots, it's the worst of the two tourist spots. Uh, so you, what you really want to do is go to I mean, there's so many places you could go to. Tony Luke's, that's a popular one. Jim Steaks, Steve's Prince of Steaks uh, was a favorite of mine growing up. But really, honestly, I mean, any bar that you could go to and just ask them to fry you up a cheesesteak, it is probably going to be as good or better than than those tourist spots. Um, but your biggest mistake, in my opinion, uh, was getting the that's uh, my dog shaking his collar in the background there was <laughs> getting the cheese whiz. Rookie mistake. So uh, most Philadelphians actually get provolone cheese or American cheese on theirs. Uh, so that's that's your first mistake. Did you get the sautéed onions, the fried onion, onions? We, I, I got the onions and all that good stuff. No one told me that I had an option for cheese. Uh, Harry Burkett, can I sue Kevin for not telling me this back in, what was that, 2001 or whatever it was? There? Can I sue Kevin for this? I, you might be able to. And uh, you already know I'm not a Philly boy. I, I've worked in Philly. I'm from 
just south of the Mason-Dixon. Uh, we have a place called Chicken Man just down the street. And I think their cheesesteaks are great. So maybe I'm not the best judge. Well, the fact that you're calling it a cheesesteak when it's clearly a steak and cheese sub, that lets me know that I don't know if I can trust you too much there, Harry. I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, food food goes hand in hand with everything, including uh, pro wrestling fandom. So that that's that's pretty fun. Listen, fellas, Pro Wrestling Illustrated in the modern years here in 2021 is literally back on top. You guys are, are legitimately the number one pro wrestling magazine, not only in North America, but probably in the world here. And I want to congratulate you for your staying power and for finding a way to keep up with the times and be modern while at the same time maintaining your classic edge there. So, so Kevin, how, how does it feel, you know, in the modern days to, for Pro Wrestling Illustrated to still be on top? It's surreal. And uh, that word gets overused a lot, but it, there's no other way to put it. And I mean, I read the magazine growing up and I read all the other magazines. I read not just the the Weston family of magazines, but I mean, you know, the WWF magazine and then, you know, WCW magazine, which, which our company was involved with. It, it's hard to believe in this day and age. I mean, I, I've watched so many classic publications stop doing it all together, or maybe they only publish, uh, a nostalgia product every now and then. But I mean, we're to the point where we actually have added in additional issues. We're up to nine a year from six. So there's there's an audience for it. There's a lot of enthusiasm around it. There are people who maybe didn't know that we were even still out there doing this, who read the magazine growing up and, and they're really happy to uh, reconnect with us. We get tagged a lot on Twitter or Facebook. Like I just bought my first Pro Wrestling Illustrated since I was in middle school or something to that effect. As much as I can, I try to respond to each of those personally because that really resonates with me. It's such a pleasure to still be doing this after all this time, and I'm grateful that we're still around for so many reasons. You know, Harry, you've been around at Pro Wrestling Illustrated. You were there during the Attitude Era, or at least uh, somewhat the tail end there. So for mm-hmm. you to go from that to where we are today and all the ups and downs and what have you, to be so far up today, how does that feel? It feels wonderful and unexpected. You know, I grew up reading the magazines during a boom period, the rock and wrestling era. And as Stu would say, they were selling the magazines like hotcakes. You know, they had four monthly publications per year, at least one or two quarterlies they did each month. So producing six magazines a month. And, you know, at the height of my time, working for them in the late 90s, during the Attitude Era, we were doing 60 magazines per year. You know, PWI was 13 issues. You know, we had Inside Wrestling, The Wrestler. Um, we had quarterlies. Well, the quarterlies became bi-monthlies. You know, it got so hot. Wrestling Superstar, Wrestle America. And then we even got into producing digests of previous stories. We were just throwing them together and putting those on the newsstand. So you, it was almost like you couldn't feed the beast fast enough. And then with the end of WCW and ECW, and with the internet's in, influence increasing, it's, it was like light turned off overnight within a one or two year period. But you know what? We all kind of saw it coming. When we had those great sales in the late 90s, we, we knew the internet was there and we knew it was only going to grow. I remember conversations with Stu way early on. We, we would have the PWI weekly newsletter and there'd be a reference to a website. And he would say something, you know what? I don't think we need to recognize that. Like, like if we pretend the internet's not there, 
or we don't promote it, maybe it won't be such a big deal to us. That was just in the very early going. And then a sort of a dark moment for me, I've never even mentioned this to Kevin, I would say it was in 2013, and he remembers this as well, when PWI went from 12 issues to six issues, and when Stu called and said, well, we're going bi-monthly, this feels like the beginning of the end. And in my mind, I just says, you know what? PWI has been good to me. I've enjoyed it. I'm going to be a loyal soldier to the end. I'm just going to ride this out. Because in my mind, there was a definitive end. And so 2014 came and went, 2015, 2016, 2017. And then Stu mentioned, oh, the, the 500 did pretty well. That issue did pretty well. And I was thinking, well, it doesn't sound like we're going out of business. And in fact, we figured out we were on the upswing. And the same internet that seemed to doom us at one time is at least helping us make a comeback. Social media has been great. Like, And now I feel like we're sort of thriving. You know, everything's relative. But uh, I don't know of any other magazine in any other field which has increased its frequency. So uh, I'm feeling really good about it. And it's quite a different magazine from the one I worked on 20 years ago. And I think that keeps me engaged, that I'm not doing the same old thing all the time like I used to do. Well, that's that's for sure. I mean, if you're the same as you were 20 years ago, that's a pretty big problem. That means that you're not growing. And I truly believe that growth is a part of living. So if you're not growing, then you're slowly dying. And that's that is just not what we want here. You know, now, Kevin, as the editor in chief, how, how long have you had that position now? Uh, just over a year. So Stu uh, let me in. And he was very discreet about it. People, most of the people at uh, the office did not know who work on all the different publications there that he was thinking of retiring. So he kind of said, you know, let me know when you're free and I'm going to go out to my car and call you on my cell phone. It was very like, okay, what's going on here? Um, and he said that he was thinking of retiring and would I be interested in replacing him? And I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I mean, I'm sitting in my car outside of my job where I, I mean, it was, it was a good job, but it wasn't something I was passionate about. Um, and yeah, of course I'm interested. So then it was just about coming in to meet everybody else and make sure that I was a good fit for the company. And the further that process went along, Stu was just, okay, I'm feeling really good about this. And he started to train me last March and he stepped away and formally retired at the beginning of June. But by that point, I mean, he was, he was getting bored. I mean, he was just, you know, cleaning the office and things like that because he, he was out of stuff to do. And he's like, well, you, you, you've got this. So, uh, I'm just going to kind of hang out and that's not Stu. Stu is not a slacker. He's always, always doing something. It's just been unreal. Um, I mean, I I've been with the magazine, not consistently writing articles, but since, uh, late 2006, I believe. And Harry was actually, uh, my direct line of contact and editor at that point. Uh, so I mean, to be editing him now is it's, if you had told me that all those years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. And it's it things did come full circle uh, with this magazine that I you know read as a kid growing up, reconnected with as I got a little bit older and got back into uh, a wrestling in a big way, and now to to be helping it grow and change and and thrive you know as much as we can, it's it's amazing. It truly is amazing, and and for me to be in a position where not only have I watched what's been going on PWI my entire life. I mean, 38 years old now. Um, but 
to start Duke Loves Wrestling in 2016 and to have Harry come on on behalf of PWI. I mean, Harry, you literally are one of my top five guests as far as how many times you've been on the show. Uh, there's, there's only Lavelle Porter from uh, Black Rabbit and in uh, Russell Zone. There's um, Big Vito Lagrazo, uh, Sean Reed, who is a uh, he is a combat sports analyst. Thunder Rosa, which you know you guys have been covering her. She's one of the top wrestlers in the world. And then there's Harry Burkett. You know, so it's it's really a thrill for a magazine that I've been checking out my entire life to to have representation come on this show and be with us throughout our growth. It's been fun to to kind of see PWI grow in so many different ways at the same time. In fact, I, I want to take a step back because in order to understand my relationship with Pro Wrestling Illustrated today, I think it's really important for folks to understand my relationship from the beginning. Um, and and the perspective here really matters because there is something that happened centering around the PWI 500 a couple of years ago that coincides with Kevin becoming the editor-in-chief and coincides with what you see today and the amount of growth that's happened in PWI. So this is all relative here. So we're going to go behind the scenes, folks, and we're really going to talk some inside baseball here, some stories that very few of you listening right now have ever heard before. So let me take a step back. You know, my my first memory of being alive is literally, and, and Harry, I, you and I have talked about this before mm-hmm. offline, um, literally Ric Flair versus Harley Race at Starcade in the cage. And that was, I mean, that's November of 1983. I was born in December of 1982. I don't even wow. know how it's possible that that's my first memory, but it is. It absolutely is. I've been a lifelong wrestling fan. You know, my my father is from Mississippi. They, you know, pro wrestling was a big deal to them down there. My mother could take it or leave it, but she didn't mind it. And as a kid growing up, because pro wrestling was something I was so interested in, it was utilized as a tool to kind of keep me out of trouble. So if you if you want to watch wrestling, you got to get your your studies done. You got to get your chores done. You know what I mean? If you do that, then you can't watch wrestling. So it was it was a very big deal to be able to kind of, in order for me to consume this thing that I was really interested in, I had to kind of keep my head straight. And it's it stuck with me my entire life. But in terms of PWI, when I first started learning how to read, it was a little different. I learned how to read reading the, once I learned my ABCs, I learned how to read reading the Boston Herald and the Boston Globe. I would have to read our local newspapers and then literally sit there and talk about what I read with my parents. And I mean, come on, you're talking about a kid who's, you know, five, six, seven, eight, and he's having discussions about whether or not George Bush is going to beat Michael Dukakis to become president of the United States. I mean, what the hell does a kid know about that, right? But that literally was how I learned how to read and how I learned how to develop critical thinking skills and things of that nature. So it was the Boston Herald, the Boston Globe, and then it was Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And when I say Pro Wrestling Illustrated, I'm talking the entire family of those Western magazines. So, Kevin, just like how you mentioned earlier, you know, your inside wrestling and all the all these other different types of publications that those publications are partially responsible for my vocabulary and my ability to critically think. I learned how to read from those publications. So those publications have been with me my entire 
life. My father would go to the newsstand, make a big deal about, okay, go ahead, you go, you know, pick out your your wrestling magazine. He always called it wrestling because of his thick accent, uh, Mississippi accent. And I would do that. And I would flip through and look at the pictures and, and be all excited about that. But then I would actually have to sit down and read it cover to cover and then discuss it. Okay, so what happened in the magazine? You know, well, Ric Flair, he, he's he's the, the most hated this week again. And, you know, Rick Martell this and, and Hulk Hogan that. And like, literally, this is how I was able to be who I am today. You know what I mean? So my relationship with the publication that you two fellows represent is very intimate. It's very serious. And it's something that means a lot to me. So as the years have gone on, I, I've remained very loyal to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, no matter what other magazines pop up and what have you. I've always kept my eye on PWI. You know, I, I'm a guy that still likes to buy it at the newsstand. Uh, I just, I, because of my history and the experience, it's still a thing for me to be able to go to any newsstand in a drugstore or, you know, bookstore or what have you and, and see the magazine, feel it, flip through it, buy it, bring it home and obsess over it. You know, every word. When, when you guys started doing the PWI Almanac, that was it. <laughs> that was it for me. You know what I mean? There's so much information in this one issue that that could carry me for the next year. You know, just, just really, really serious stuff here in terms of expanding my love of pro wrestling and maintaining my love of pro wrestling. You know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated legitimately is a major factor in that. And I, and I really appreciate the publication for that. So when I started this show, um, I was very deliberate about reaching out to PWI and getting somebody from PWI on Duke Loves Wrestling because I wanted to make sure that I somehow, some way, continue to shine a positive light on PWI because PWI means so much to me. And, you know, Harry, you've been so gracious with your time. You've come on the show so frequently and, 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 be so willing to talk about the history, to talk about what's going on with the latest PWI 500, the women's 50, then the women's 100, et cetera, et cetera. I got to ask you, Harry, I mean, what what made you agree to even come on this this show? You and I didn't know each other from a hole in the wall. What made you decide, yeah, I'll come do your, your uh, no-name podcast, so to speak? Well, precisely for, because of your life story, uh, what you just mentioned. Um, I knew from the very beginning, as you expressed it, that you had this lifelong love affair of PWI and uh, respect for the magazine. And I've done other shows and podcasts where we just talk wrestling, but it always hits a soft spot when we're talking about the magazine itself. And, you know, I was just like you. I think I was a late bloomer compared to you, though. I was about 11 years old when I discovered PWI. And one thing that even going back and looking now, the features are a little simpler than I remembered, but the grammar was always correct. The departments were like an adult magazine. You know, it was, it didn't really talk down to you. And Craig Peters, often in his columns, would give you pointers on how to be a good writer, a good wrestling writer. And he always advised you should be aspiring to be a writer first, a wrestling writer second. So, and, and, you know, Stu shared this same philosophy that he always preferred working with people who were writers foremost rather than wrestling fans. So that's why I had a kinship with you. I enjoyed coming on your show because your story was almost identical to mine. Which is so cool. And 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 seriously, Harry, 
our bond has been something that I I put a lot of stock into and really appreciate because again, you are representing Pro Wrestling Illustrated, so that 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 whole concept there of all being wrapped into one is just so fantastic. I want to take us to 2019. In 2019, at that point, Harry, you'd been on the the show, jeez, at least four or five times talking about different issues of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the 500 uh, primarily. The 2019 list, though, caused a, a pretty major uproar because there was a concern that there weren't enough black wrestlers being featured in the PWI 500. It was it was a very serious concern. It was a, a valid concern. And the backlash was, was swift and it was heavy, so heavy that I, I gave you a heads up, Harry. I said, look, Harry, <laughs> we got a problem on our hands here, brother. This is really bad. And ironically, at the time, Harry, you were already scheduled to be a guest here on the on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. It might have been the first podcast that you did since the list had come out. So behind the scenes, every well-known black wrestling fan, every well-known black podcaster, people who were writing for different wrestling websites, we were all talking to each other. And the concern was was at a fever pitch that this publication that had been around for so long didn't really care about us and wasn't focusing on the diversity within the wrestling industry because although not everybody shines a light on it, it does exist. It is a thing. So then it turned into, well, forget about PWI. If they don't want to feature us in their, their, their biggest issue of the year, then we'll start our own list. And out of that, was born the list of the top uh, black pro wrestlers, you know, in the country. And, you know, I, I spoke to Reg from Black Rexcellence and, and and we were having a very serious heart to heart about it because he was one of the people that put that list together and it kept growing and growing. And of course, we all contributed to it. But um, one thing that didn't sit right with me out of all of the discussion that was being had about the concern with PWI I didn't hear a single person say that they confronted PWI directly and had a conversation directly with PWI. When I say PWI, I'm talking to any of you guys and ladies at the at the publication. And that didn't sit right with me because, you know, I felt like, especially because of our interactions, Harry, if there was a conversation, there was a strong possibility that some things could be changed. Because one thing that had been very clear to me is that Harry, you're the complete opposite of closed-minded. You're a person that is receptive and inquisitive and interested. And I couldn't imagine that the rest of the publication wouldn't be the same way, because I don't think you would be there if it wasn't. So from that, I said to you, Harry, first of all, when you were on the show, I confronted you about the concerns, directly confronted you about the issues there. And there was only two ways to go there. Harry, you could have just said, well, you know, screw it. So what? <laughs> or you could have done exactly what you've done, which is say, you know something? Everybody just pointed out a major blind spot that we have here at PWI. And we want to change that. And we invite everybody to, you know, partner up and 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 let's talk about this and let's see what we can do to make sure that future editions of the 500 and, and really the publication itself can be more modernized and, and can be more diverse and can take all of these things into consideration and put together the best possible additions that you can. I, am I repeating that history 
properly there, Harry? You are. And I was aware that there was some talk of that, you know, here and there every year. And I have to admit, I didn't really take it that seriously because I had a lot of confidence in our process and the people contributing to it. So when you mentioned the Rexellence 250 and Righteous Reg, and just the sheer number of 250 African-American wrestlers and that we had allegedly overlooked so many of them. I didn't really think of it in the social context. I just thought of it as a wrestling nerd, a blind spot, because I, I knew that was always one of Stu's concerns that, you know, are we missing anybody? You know, we only had so many freelancers. We, ha- you know, we have a freelancer in New York. We have a freelancer like me in Maryland. You know, but we don't have them all over the country. So are there entire parts of the wrestling scene that we're missing? And historically, that has happened with PWI. You know, going back to the 1960s, you know, it was a very New York-centric magazine. You know, it was all about Bruno, not so much NWA and AWA. Uh, Growing up, uh, I was frustrated that I couldn't read about the West Coast wrestling scene, you know, what was going on in California or the Northwest. But it's because it was a New York-based publication. This, and that's how this struck me. Oh my God, we're missing something. So I did uh, email the list you provided to me to Stu because I knew Stu would seriously consider it. And in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, Duke just thinks I'm paying lip service. You know, we won't really do anything about it. And and quite frankly, I couldn't promise that we would do anything about it. I trusted Stu. You know. Could you please look at this list and see if we're missing something big here? And, you know, at that point, I didn't work with Stu in the office anymore. So I didn't really get a lot of, heck of a lot of feedback other than email about it. But I had confidence. And it this just coincided just coincidentally with, with Kevin coming in, where I think Kevin, on a, on a human level, is very attuned to things that are overlooked or things that we could be doing better. And I think he just like picked up on that right away and uh and everything happened at the right time and it's funny when you told me that we had this converse, conversation in 2019 it seems like so long ago because so much has happened because you mentioned it to me in 2019 and i said oh yeah okay you know you know if you told me this in 2020 damn it would be an entirely different conversation and uh it's interesting. And thanks to you, I feel like we kind of got a heads up on everything happening today. Well, you know, Harry and, and Kevin, I want you guys to hear this in, in, in earnest. I was concerned and it was a, it was a valid concern that there was going to be a, a major boycott of Pro Wrestling Illustrated that could have possibly taken the magazine down. I mean, that's how serious it was. And, and that was being organized. And again, you know, if, if you guys weren't going to do the right thing, then of course I was going to be part of those efforts too, because at the end of the day, right is right and wrong is wrong. But we at least have to see if there's a possibility for change to happen, right? We at least got to come to the table and see what's going on here. All right, well, let me take your temperature. If, was this on purpose? Is this really a blind spot? What's really going on here? And again, because of our rapport, Harry, I knew that this, this wasn't a thing that couldn't be fixed. So I put you in touch with Reg, like you said, and, and you went to work on your end there. Um, and you also mentioned this young guy who was going to be taken over <laughs> by the name of Kevin. And I said, okay, that's interesting. 
So I started looking Kevin up and, and paying attention to the the things that Kevin put an emphasis on just on his own social media and what have you. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. So so let, let's pull you in on this one now, Kevin, because you're in the process of taking over as editor-in-chief and all of this controversy is happening. And, and you're a younger guy, so you're a lot closer to the action than Stu or even Harry would be because you are interacting with the same circles that I'm interacting with. So I'm sure, were you aware that the, the, the concern had gotten to the point that it had gotten to before you heard about it at PWI? Right. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I was aware of it. Um, and at the time, I mean, I was writing for PWI, but the the main reason I think I was aware of it is I was trying to start a, a wrestling podcast of my own, which we no longer do. I'm too busy with PWI. But I was more in tune with wrestling Twitter because of that. And I started, you know, any every year, I, I at least want to see like, oh, how does how did the announcement do for the cover? Like, what's the response? And I really started going down the rabbit hole and, whoa, people are not happy. And at first, I mean, I've been assisting with this list. And I mean, I, I was not in the driver's seat, but I was, you know, part of it. And I mean, I, I wouldn't have completely absolved myself of any of this blame for that reason. Since I believe 2011, 2012, I'd been doing this for a long time and felt like I understood how the list worked. And, you know, hey, people like to call it a kayfabe list. And and that is part of it. I mean, a lot of uh, how we select who's number one on down to 500 is through these in-ring accomplishments, right? Um, and hey, we're just doing what the business says. So at fir- the first thing, like when people say something like that, I think in my mind, like, oh, I feel like I'm being attacked. And and I thought, you know what? Wait, why why am I why am I going to go and get defensive here? I never said a negative word back to anybody, but you know, naturally, when people are saying like, oh, PWI is irrelevant and blah blah blah, like, oh, I'm so angry. But then you dig into why they're upset, and you look at, wow, you know what? This is a really low percentage of black wrestlers, of LGBT wrestlers, of uh, any kind of wrestlers of color on this list. And yeah, some of that is a problem within the business where there are not enough opportunities. But that that's kind of passing the buck. Um, and the more I read it, it's like, wow, this person who was not even on our radar and who's thus not on the list has three championships that are pretty influential. And this person has an incredible win-loss record and won this tournament. And these people who unquestionably have all the requirements that would place them on the list, but just were not on our radar or were maybe in some cases they were on our radar, but they were, they were in the wrong part of the country where we, we like, Oh, well that, that promotion, I haven't heard of that as much. Uh, it's surely not as relevant as the one that's near me. You know, it, it's biases and it's blind spots, but it's not excusable. And the more I read, the more upset I got. And I thought, you know, I get in my day to day life, I look at this in music and entertainment and government, and I get so pissed off when I see a lack of representation. And then here I am contributing it to it myself because I'm not going to bat for these wrestlers that deserve to be on this list. You know, so from that point on, I mean, I was already starting to watch a lot more independent wrestling and wrestling from other countries and. This, I was just diving more and more into it because it was a lot more available. At this point, I had no idea I was going to be asked to be editor-in-chief. Um, but around the time I was asked to be editor-in-chief, you know, Dan Murphy, who was kind of the, the driver of the list, who, you know, we, we all collaborate on the list, but there's always a point person who really 
you know, takes responsibility, especially for the latter half of the list and these wrestlers from, from different underrepresented areas and independents. Dan Murphy stepped away after many years of being that point person just because he, he wanted to move on. And around the same time, Stu asked about the uh, me potentially taking over. He said, you know, like whatever happens with you taking over or not taking over, would you want to step in for Dan and be this this point person for the, the 500? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, that sounds great because I have been a lot more attentive to what's going on because there, I just saw this whole world of, of uh, wrestling out there that we were missing out on. And like Harry said, it's, it's, it's a question of doing what's right, but it's also, it's just from a wrestling standpoint, you're depriving yourself of all this great wrestling and great talent that you're, you're missing out on. Um, and I, so I was bummed out in a lot of ways and, you know, wanted to do better. Um, you know, after that whole backlash against us in 2019, when I went down that rabbit hole and had that initial defense of, oh, they don't know how hard this is. And like, why are they saying that we're terrible? We we're just following our own criteria and such and such, you know, and then I, before I stepped back, that was my, my initial just internal reaction. And I thought, you know, that's wrong. You're that you have to take some responsibility in this. And I, you know, I did. So I, I just read up and I'll tell you, be completely honest. One of the things, first things I did Anybody who was really vocally against us and who had a good point, I followed them. I followed them. I followed Righteous Reg. He was one of the first ones. Uh, I followed Eric Shorey was very vocally against us. DJ Accident Report. He had a lot of great things to say. Just so many other people. I know, I, I don't want to start listing them out because, you know, of course, Duke, you were on there as well. Um, I, I don't want to leave anybody out, but I started following all these podcasts and and journalists and just fans who were who were vocal about the problems within our list. And I thought like, these people know what we're missing. I would be an idiot if I didn't listen to them. You know, it's from a, from a fan standpoint, from a journalistic standpoint. So I did that. And one of the first things I did after I came in as editor in chief was start extending some olive branches to some of these people who would put all these wrestlers on my radar. And I mean, that that's how righteous Reg started contributing for us. And I mean, he, Talk about an open-minded guy who just wants to make things better. I mean, he was immediately receptive to it. And I, and I even like put out, I wrote like a, a novella and a Twitter DM to him. And I said, look, if you just w- want to tell me to get lost, tell me to get lost. I get it. Like you can have your list with or without our involvement. And like, it, you don't need our approval. You don't need to work with us or, or, or uh, lend, uh, lend your perspective to us in any way. But if you want to, we'd lo- love to have your help with this. Um, and, and see what you think of our list. And then, you know, if you want to write for us going forward after, you know, the, the, the first thing he did was write this uh, take on the on the 500 list for, you know, last year. But I mean, it was clear just from my early interactions with him and following him that he'd be a great contributor for the magazine. And I mean, very similar things happen with other people. I mean, Kristen Ashley started writing for us because she was asking, huh, why aren't women in the 500? And I mean, all women in the 500. And we, we had a back and forth about that. And just she said, "Well, anything I could do to help with the magazine and getting women re- better represented within us." And yeah, let's let's talk about that. And of course, I knew what she had been doing with Bell to Bells, and and just one after the other, there have been different people who've come in and said, "Hey, I know about this. You guys look like you need some help with this. Can I help with it?" I, Walter Yates is our international report columnist. Now he is just lives and breathes New Japan, um, and. I, we couldn't have anyone better to write on that topic as far as I'm concerned. And he offered to help again. I'd be an idiot not to do that. So it's awesome to have all these new perspectives on there. People who know about different things and, 
and really just have the the microscope on them. Um, and I think it's making our magazine a lot better. And I, I honestly, I I get why we had a smaller uh, staff for many years, especially as there was less work to go around. But I think we're really benefiting from working with the writers we've been using all this time, but the, you know, bringing some new folks into the fold. And I, I feel like I've been talking for about an hour straight, so I'm sorry if I put you guys to sleep with any of that, but it's, it's, it's been a ride and I think we've come a long way, but we have a lot more work to do and I take it seriously. Well, no, I mean, Kevin, you, you, you had to sit back and listen to Harry and I go down memory lanes. So <laughs> you, you came in and caught up at the right time there, which is great. And, and let me just say this, first of all, you know, I love, um, Walter Yates brings to the table, like you said, his New Japan coverage is tremendous. Uh, Righteous Reg, that was somebody who he went out there and and put his heads together with everybody and and came up with the the list, which was fantastic, highlighting all of these black wrestlers who, for the most part, were overlooked. And that that was a tremendous undertaking. That wasn't easy. Um, So I, I was really happy to see that beyond just the conversation that we were able to put together, that PWI had invited Reg to do work with PWI and Reg agreed to do it because this partnership is just tremendous. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love his perspective uh, being part of the whole mix there. And then Kristen Ashley, I mean, let me just say this, without a doubt, I have about as much respect and uh, appreciation for her as I do anybody within our wrestling community, mainly because, in my opinion, she's an activist. Kristen is always pushing issues that matter. She is always shining a light on things that need to be discussed and need to be addressed. And I'll tell you right now, I just I, I think the world of her. I think she's she's absolutely fantastic. I can't remember a time where she said anything online that she brought attention to where I didn't hundred percent agree, which is very rare for me. Cause you know, I'll, I'll find something to argue about in anything, <laughs> but no, she's just, I, I just, I have a lot of respect for her. And, and Kristen, if you're listening, I, I told you this privately and I'm saying this publicly. I just, I want you to keep going, please. Cause you're fantastic. And you're definitely a voice that we all need to pay attention to because you're on the right track. So uh, Kevin, it's interesting because you come in and like you said, you're bringing all of these new elements into the mix. And, and Harry kind of gave me a heads up that you were going to be as uh, thoughtful and as deliberate as you have been. Why don't you guys list a couple of the major changes that you've made? And we can start with the PWI 500 being at this point, the most diverse in terms of not only race, but in gender sexuality, you name it. The PWI 500 at this moment is, is the most diverse 500 it's ever been, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing is, is people drawing the lack of diversity to our attention. Um, and that it, that it was such an issue. And hey, look, you're not just listing who's out there. You're leaving out some really important people. And I mean, that's honestly, I mean, when when we got Reg involved, it was as much as that we wanted his perspective as it was to say thank you. And I, I told him this. I said, like, look, you've already done a ton of research for us. You've made it so much easier for us to make this list next year. Or, well, this year, I guess at, the, at this point it was 2020. Um, and, I mean, the least I can do is, like, 
like trying to include you and get you like paid a little bit for what you're putting out there in the world because you're you're spending so much time on this. Um, and you know we can't retroactively pay you for for the the Black Wrestling's five hundred or twenty two two fifty. It was the first first one. Um, it's but we can go and we can make sure that you get paid for your hard work going forward. And I mean he's he's been thrilled about it because he gets to talk to some people he hasn't been uh, able to to get interviews with yet and. It's great. I mean, he's really become a friend to me, as has Kristen, um, and just two really conscientious people. Um, I've tried to be cautious about, you know, like you mentioned Kristen being an, an activist, and I, I don't want PWI to be seen as like a quote-unquote political uh, magazine or being quote-unquote political. We're never going to be partisan political, but to me, I mean, not having proper representation of different races, gender, sexualities in your magazine. That's, that's not politics. That's you refusing to do something about that as being political. So, and the fact that I'm in tune with this already, just outside of wrestling, not because I'm anything special. I just, I exist in the world and I'm on Twitter and, you know, I went to college and I, you know, it's just like, maybe it's just, it's something that's, that I've grown up with. It's important to me, you know? And because of that, just, that was important. Um, and I wanted it to be represented in the 500 because th- that's who's out there. The, I mean, and the other reason that this this was able to happen the way it did, I mean, the credit goes to the wrestlers themselves and these promoters who were giving them opportunities. I mean, if you look at the representation for uh, LGBTQ wrestlers who have been historically pretty underrepresented in the 500, as in the business, I mean, part of the reason that they were there were so many more included is because you had things like you had the, the Butch versus Gore show, which has spun off into a promotion now. Uh, you had the Rise Pride and Joy show. You had these specific events that were meant to highlight these wrestlers, and, and you know from there they ended up you know going and winning championships or having other prominent matches, just being singled out for those particular shows because they were they were landmark events. And I mean, you you also had uh, as far as race goes. I mean, you had events like. Uh, for the culture and Black Wrestlers Matter that are singling out Black wrestlers around the U.S. and, uh, I mean, if not for the pandemic, probably globally as well. Um, It's just, there's so much good wrestling out there. It is easier than it has ever been to see see it. For our magazine to not acknowledge that, I mean, growing up, that's what I loved about PWI. There were wrestlers I had no idea. I I didn't know who Tony Anthony was or... uh, Hotshot Eddie Gilbert. I mean, it's these are people who were just would not have been on my radar if not for PWI, right? So why can't we do that again, especially in the age of the internet? And I mean, there there are people who are maybe a little bit less online than we are, uh, or just not seeing who some of these wrestlers are. And, I, and I, we get notes occasionally, like, "Oh, I didn't know about this person. I really like their work. Thanks for telling me about them." That that's the best possible compliment you could get. So I, I don't know how far I went afield from your actual question there, Duke, but <laughs> you're, you're in the right place, Kevin. You're in the right place uh, for sure. And, and you know, Harry, I wonder about this here. As we see PWI evolve into what it is today, I can't help but feel that it coincides with the entire United States of America and really worldwide where bringing issues to the forefront, doing what needs to be done in order to affect change. And then working together to establish that change and, and, and really establish a new standard, that's what's happening around the world in, in various levels here. 
And PWI, that's exactly what happened, especially in the case that we're talking about now. I mean, does, does that make sense, Harry? Yeah, I, I feel really fortunate that everything seemed to fall into place at exactly the right time for us and that we don't feel like we're a step behind now. I, I just feel like we're really fortunate in that. It's, uh, I suspect there's other entities out there, publications, other fields that are a step behind. And I, I don't feel like we are. And I was just thinking, you know, you, you did ask you know, how it changed our magazine, you know. I'm not only a writer, but I'm also a reader of the magazine. One thing I appreciate is, is like Kevin alluded to, he enjoyed reading the magazine to find out about the territories that weren't on his local TV, you know, read about Memphis or, you know, that sort of thing. You know, we just had two features, if I recall correctly, maybe it was the May issue, the Supercard issue, where we had uh, a story on Masha Slamovich, you know, that's not a household name. But I eagerly read it because this was all new information to me. I got to learn about uh, a wrestler that I wasn't familiar with, far away from home. Um, and we also had the um, LGBTQ plus story. You know, it was about an indie wrestler, Jamie Senegal. And here's this is like confessional hour. I'd have to say uh, the last few years, I didn't read the feature so much anymore. When I say last few years, I would say like 2005 to 2012, 2013, because we basically came up with a headline and it was more like a thesis and we would write the story to match the headline. It was always interesting, always had interesting wordplay, always provided a different perspective, but I didn't always feel like I had new information. So I was always a fan of reading the news departments and the columns, not so much the feature story. But nowadays, I feel like I'm very invested in our feature story. I'm always learning something new. You know, it's been a long time since we were making up quotes and real interviews with real people. And we're learning about people we would otherwise know nothing about. And that's what I appreciate. You know, the, the thing that I find so interesting is that, and again, I'm, I'm part of these conversations, a part of these discussions. I'm in the middle of a lot of this stuff. Because I, and I do feel an obligation to be somebody who is trying to make things better than they were. And if that means that I have to, you know, reach out to you, Harry, or you, Kevin, and put you in touch with somebody that you may not have been in touch with before, because I feel there, there's an opportunity there, heads being put together and, and bringing about some positive change, then let's do that. Right. The thing that I find interesting is that just about everybody who was on board to, Get rid of PWI. Let's ignore them. Don't read their stuff. Don't don't buy their stuff, whatever. Don't tweet about them. Now, everybody, since all these changes have been made, they're so enthusiastically talking about PWI on a regular basis. I mean, it is just, I have never seen Pro Wrestling Illustrated spoken about in such a positive light online. You know, the past 12 months in particular, I've never seen that happen before. It's it's at a fever pitch. You know what I mean? And and it's it's very interesting because the majority of the people who are speaking so positively about PWI are very critical people. And I say that in a positive manner. People who have high standards and who have high expectations. And it's just, it's very, very interesting to see how something that could have been such a negative has turned into such a positive and we're all benefiting from it. The, the, the wrestling community is benefiting from 
the evolution of PWI. And I think that's just so important because it's a reminder, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what aspect of life you're in, this is what it's supposed to look like. You know what I mean? The willingness to change, the willingness to see it through, the willingness to work together to do it, the willingness to keep it going. Age, gender, race, sexuality, nationality, everybody's coming together to make this thing better. And as a result, it is better. And everyone is, is it feels good about that because it's inclusive. The entire from top down, the process is very inclusive. And it's just, it's wonderful. So I, I want to ask this question now, now that we've talked about some inside baseball and, and, and some historic stuff, where do we go from here, Kevin? I mean, I, I saw that you just put out something, um, and I guess you can say it on the show now, you, you just... A wrestler is going to be writing a column for you folks? Yes. Um, I mean, it's it's worth noting at first that Jamie Senegal actually did write her article in the Supercards issue. Uh, so it, it's not the first time we've had a writer, a wrestler write for us, um, but it's not something we've done a lot of in a long time. And yeah, we can reveal now that Jordan Grace is going to be writing a column, Punching Up, that's going to be a recurring piece in PWI. Uh, she's going to be talking about just different things that she wants to draw positive attention to, whether that be different wrestlers or uh, things within the business that are kind of overlooked sometimes that, that she wants to, you know, lift up and uh, very excited about that. And uh, she came to us about writing a column and it's, well, well, yeah, of course. I mean, it's just, and then, you know, then the the conversation is how comfortable are you writing it? Do you want to like kind of, interview with somebody and like, well, I'd like to try writing it myself. And she killed it. She did a a really great job on it. I, you know, I edit everything that comes in and anything I write, I send to somebody else to edit, but it was really well written, very well uh, conceived. And it's just very excited to uh, have her as part of the team now. Harry, what's going on with the website? Because uh, I know that that has been a sticking point for a long time here. The uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated website, it's, you know, for a while, there really wasn't much being put up. Now there's far more information being put up there. But where do we go from here with the website, Harry? Well, uh, I'm not as actively involved with the website as uh, Kevin is, obviously. But I can just speak to the fact that we were astonishingly late to the game for even having a website. Um, And the basic uh, format has, has not changed in all these years. I know Kevin's working hard on that. Um, if you're a PWI fan, there's plenty of reasons to go to the website. Uh, you have the PWI podcast, which is available. We work hard on these weekly ratings that uh, Kevin uploads every Friday. Um, there's a lot going on with the website. You know, you can see every cover of PWI, you know, ever produced. But we expect exciting things. Uh, main man, Kevin, he's spearheading that movement. So hopefully he can work with the geeks that uh, happen to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Well, Ke- Kevin, why don't, you, why don't you let everybody know, you know, since we're, since we're talking about it, why don't you let everybody know what the website is and also all the social medias, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Why don't you let everybody know how they can uh, check out PWI online? Yeah, so uh, PWI-online is the website that, like Harry says, uh, has all the all those cool features. 
uh, more information about the magazine. You can buy whatever back issues we still have have left that are for sale. Uh, heads up, anything before year 2001 is, is long sold out. Um, and if you just want to get the most recent issue or subscribe quickly and you want a slightly friendlier user interface, you can go to getpwi.com. Again, slowly working amidst uh, trying to put this magazine together to uh, get the new website online it's sometime this year, for sure. Uh, but same, it'll be the same URL if you're listening to this in 2022, 2023. It'll be pwi Um And as far as social media goes, we are Pro, Pro Wrestling Illustrated on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Official PWI. Before I let you fellas go, I, I, I got to bring this up. And I guess we can consider this uh, breaking news. You know, here in Duke Loves Wrestling, we're very serious about going inside and getting the inside information and, and knowing about things maybe before everybody else does. I will not confirm nor deny that uh, Harry Burkett is my source on what I'm about to ask you, Kevin. I will not do that because okay. uh, I never reveal my sources. Sure. But I've heard that part of the reason why uh, Chris Jericho was attacked in all elite wrestling was beaten to shreds there he he was he was literally taught a major lesson by MJF and and Pinnacle i heard that part of the reason why that happened is because um mr chris jericho had some disparaging unacceptable things to say about the editor in chief <laughs> of pro wrestling <laughs> illustrated mr Kevin McIlvaney and you know Jericho said it in front of the entire world some of these disparaging remarks that he made and, and I heard that uh and, and again I won't confirm or deny that Harry told me this but I heard that Kevin you know to quote uh Michael Jordan Kevin took it personally and then what do you know a few months later Jericho is laying in a, in a pool of his own blood beaten and battered and what have you for the whole world to see so I'm just going to ask you this directly Kevin were you responsible for what happened to Chris Jericho? Did, did you put a, a Harley race bounty on his head? <laughs> okay. I, I will say this. Chris Jericho called me a moron live on Dynamite uh, because he was ranked number three in, in the 500. Wasn't expecting to hear it, but there it was. He pronounced my name correctly, so, so good, for, good on him for that. I will neither confirm nor deny that any kind of beating was ordered, but I will say that I've spoken to MJF and uh, FTR in the past were, were on good, friendly terms. They are big fans of PWI. Uh, you know, if they wanted to go and take care of some business on my behalf, I it's entirely possible they did that. There's no truth to the rumor that MJF is getting his own column. No, I, I, I don't know that anybody wants to, to read an MJF column. It's going to be like that might have been the reward. <laughs> Self-aggrandizing, yeah. That's no. Like I said, on, on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, we are here to break some news here. And you can take that news for however it's worth. I didn't reveal my source, right, Harry? Uh, I just told it like it is. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I appappreciate that. <laughs> Listen, fellas, honestly, on behalf of the entire wrestling community and beyond, because I think this is another thing that I don't know if you fellas know this, but I mean, I, and, and I've experienced it here on the show. Not, not everybody who listens to Duke Loves Wrestling would identify themselves as a pro wrestling fan. They just like the quality of the discussion. And 
you know, I can tell you through the years, not everybody who's read PWI is necessarily a wrestling fan. They just like the quality of the articles. And I think that what you guys are putting out today certainly stands up in that vein as well. So on behalf of the entire wrestling community and everybody beyond that checks out PWI, has supported, hashtagged, bought a magazine, read a magazine, what have you, uh, just thank you. Thank you, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, uh, Kevin, Harry, the entire team over there. Thank you for all that you've done and all that you'll continue to do. Well, thank you, Duke. And I, you've been such a, a big uh, advocate for us over the years. And you haven't been afraid to hold our feet to the fire, which I think is equally important. Because if you love something, you want to criticize it when, it when it's necessary. And I invite people to continue to do that. Uh, my, If you're on Twitter, I mean, my, my account's linked right from the PWI account. Approach me directly. I, I mean, I, I get busy. I can't respond to every message right away. But the only way that we grow and learn or, you know, we're, we're certainly never trying to put anything out in the world that makes it worse than what it is. Um, so never, ever hesitate to call us out, to call us in, whatever, uh, to, to tell us how we can do better because that's, that's, that's the only way we get there. And if people hadn't been doing that in 2019, I don't think we have the quality magazine we have today. And, you know, beyond that, just if you love PWI, keep buying it, subscribing. I mean, whatever way you get it, it's great uh, and helps us. But, you know, like any other magazine, we're doing well today, but, you know, the future is always unwritten and uh, your support helps keep us going. So thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Duke. And thank you, Harry. And, and if anybody <laughs> has any problem with the PWI 500, make sure you direct all of your, your ire at Harry. Burkett, okay, <laughs> especially when he puts people on the cover at number one that have no business being number one on such a prestigious list. And, and Harry and I have have butted heads about this for many years. I blame Harry instead of the rest of the office, um, even though I know it's a group effort how you contribute. But I'm sure Harry uses his influence because he he's always trying to get under my skin by putting the wrong people as the number one wrestler in the world, both in the PWI 500 and the women's 100 now. So send it to Harry Burkett, right? I, I, I exert no pressure, but I get all the grief. But I should interject right here. Do not beat up Bill After. Bill After has been gone for 20 years, and he complains that every year that people still walk up to him and complain about the 500. Bill is not responsible. Yeah, you know, that is that is the most ridiculous and hilarious thing I've heard all year. Uh, poor Bill Apter is still taking the hits because Harry Burkett has set him up to be the fall guy. Can you believe it? <laughs> it's a crying shame. You know, that, that was just such a wonderful conversation with Kevin and Harry from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And, you know, as you heard there, folks. I have a lifelong relationship with the entire PWI magazine family, you know, and, it, and it's, it's really something that's near and dear to my heart. So it, it was such an honor and, and a lot of fun just to have that conversation with those guys and, and really touch upon some things there, which explains why when all of that controversy happened, it, it was a big deal. You know, PWI not featuring enough uh, black wrestlers, couple years ago and, and the backlash that came with that. And it's just a reminder that there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And I'm one of those people where fortunately, because of this show, I'm positioned in a way where 
I can help in a lot of ways. And with that whole PWI situation, that was going left real quick. So the fact that we were able to assist them in, in adjusting themselves, and now PWI, the, the latest 500, was the most diverse we'd ever seen, not only in terms of race, but in terms of gender, sexuality, you name it. That's the way it has to be. Okay. We have to continue to push the envelope and we have to continue. If we care about pro wrestling, then we want pro wrestling to be as inclusive as it possibly can. But don't just talk about it and don't just complain about it. Actually put in the work to help usher in the change. And that's all I care about because I want pro wrestling to live far beyond us, you know, and definitely PWI becoming more modern is an example of them continuing to grow and live on, which is just, it's wonderful. So once again, thank you fellas for joining us. That was great. And, you know, I'm going to keep this train going. Originally I was going to just end it on that note. It was just going to be a PWI episode, but I was put in touch with somebody that is just so impressive and has such a great life story going for her. And truly, in a very short amount of time, she has made quite the impression in the wrestling industry. And, you know, here at Duke Loves Wrestling, I'm very serious about featuring up and coming stars because they matter. Right. And we have to do that. We have to continue to do that. Once again, if we care about this industry, then we want to make sure we feature that next generation who are poised to, to make it happen and continue on the traditions here. So. Without further ado, and I'm pretty excited about this because I'm telling you, she's she's serious business here, folks. Without further ado, welcome to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, Layla Gray. What's going on there, Layla? Hey, what's up? How's it going over there? It's going great. It's going great. And listen, I'm a little jealous because, you know, I'm still here in Boston and the temperature has gone back down to the 30s here. But I know that you're in a in a very very secret location down in florida what's the temperature like right now high 80s it's a nice change from uh from that weather up north and and you know a little something about the weather up north because you're originally from new york right yes i am from queens new york baby Woo, Born queens. And raised. okay okay so you know i gotta ask this because there's always a debate you know queens bridge and, and all the other boroughs and what have you what's really going on so who are your, if you were give like a top three, just, just New York rappers, who are your top three New York rappers? 50 Cent, <laughs> Nicki Minaj, and of course, Jay-Z. Okay. Okay. Now that's a, that's a serious list that you have there. And I, what I find interesting is that they're all, they're all influencers. They're all bosses in their own right there, which mm. says a lot about who you are as a person, right? Yep. I do have a, that hustler's mentality. My parents are both from the Dominican Republic. So they immigrated over here. So I'm first generation. So just that alone, that was just a huge sacrifice for them to do, to come out here to provide a better life for me and my sisters. I have two older sisters. So that was a big sacrifice already. My mom was like a single mom. So just watching her hustle, she used to work three jobs just to provide for my sisters and I. So she inspires me a lot in her hard work ethic. So I feel like that's kind of where I get it from. And just, just being in New York, just being surrounded by, 
by all these people that, that hustle and our bosses and, you know, are about their business. So growing up in, in that environment, I feel like that definitely instilled that work ethic in me. Not only do I, I agree with what you're saying there, I, I have a personal experience as well, because my mom is from Jamaica. And there's something to be said about having Caribbean parents, having parents who come from that whole part of the world there and the life lessons and, and you know, the old school mentality of, of how you should conduct yourself, why you need to work hard, why you need to make sure that um, you're about your business in order to survive in this world. All of that stuff, was that something that you were receptive to at a young age or, or did you resist that in the beginning? No, I feel like I was receptive to that at a young age. And ever since I was little, I've always said that, you know, I, I want to be successful because I want to be able to repay my mother back in any way that I can for, for everything that she has done for us, for all the sacrifices. I don't consider myself successful unless I can take care of my mother. So that's the goal right there. That's, that's really deep and that, and that's endearing. Um, I'm definitely somebody that's very close to my mom as well. So I, I hear that hundred percent. That's, that's wonderful to see. Um, but I, I will say though, at least from what I can see, you have been very successful in pro wrestling, especially considering the fact that you haven't been in the industry that long. I mean, you've been, you started training what less than two years ago, right? Yes. Less than two years ago. It's been like a, a year and a half. Uh, that I've been training and I've made my debut in October. So it's been about five, six months of me actually working and, you know, getting out there, getting my bookings. So it has not been that long at all, but things have just started taking off so fast. It was just, whew, I wasn't even sure if I was ready. Well, listen, Layla Gray, you, you, you're a pretty modest person, which I do appreciate that quality is clear that you're humble. But it's okay to brag a little bit. I mean, <laughs> what are some of the promotions that you have, you know, had matches in just since October here, since you've officially debuted? Why don't you tell everybody where you've been so far? Absolutely. So my most recent and biggest accomplishments thus far has been for AEW, for All Elite Wrestling. That is just a huge opportunity. And it just makes me so proud because... I got that opportunity all on my own. I didn't, you know, I didn't have anybody talk to them for me or anything. I got discovered off of social media. So just me promoting myself, posting a lot of exciting clips of, of matches that caught their attention. So that has been my, my biggest accomplishment thus far. But I have also had the pleasure of working for other great promotions as well, such as Mission Pro Wrestling. Mission Pro Wrestling is so amazing. It's so empowering. And I'm just so happy to have been a part of that. Mission Pro has been on my list of, of goals, basically, to accomplish for 2021. And I'm just so excited that I got the opportunity to, to work for them. So that, to me, is also a major accomplishment. I've also had the pleasure of working for Pro Wrestling 2.0 with Alex Porto. That has been great. He has taught me a lot. He's someone that's great to, to talk to, always has advice, always wants to help. So those have been my favorite companies that I've worked for thus far. And 
you know, it's not stopping there. I have a lot of upcoming things as well, which we'll get into. You sure do have a lot going on and, and, and even more coming up. I mean, the GCW rising best in class with the young professor. You know, this is an up and coming talent showcase. It's happening Friday, April 9th, 10 a.m. at the Egypt Shrine Center in Tampa, Florida. And this is just another feather in your cap. You know, it'd be part of such a, a big time showcase like this card here at GCW. And it's, it's really interesting because, you know, anyone who listens to the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, you know that uh, the folks over at GCW, they're friends of the show. Uh, Thunder Rosa, she is one of our more frequent guests. So when we talk about Mission Pro Wrestling and the great things that they're doing over there, you know, Duke Loves Wrestling has been a big supporter of theirs. And it's interesting that you mentioned uh, Alex Porto, the pug. I don't know if you're yes. if you're old enough to remember, but. When I was growing up, I used to watch Alex Porto in uh, Global Championship Wrestling. They they had a show on ESPN, and I would watch the pug take on guys like the Ebony Experience, you know, Booker T and Stevie Ray, uh, take on the Patriot, uh, you know, even Cactus Jack McFoley uh, was in G, uh, the Global Wrestling Federation at one point. So, and, and Alex is actually a friend of mine as well. Shout out to Alex Porto. So it's it's interesting that you're connected to all the right people there, Layla Gray. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I didn't grow up watching Porto. That was a little bit before my time. But when when I met him, then I started doing research on him, looking him up. And I'm like, man, this guy's pretty dope. Really talented. Great worker. Really understands the psychology and all that. So he's definitely helped me out so much. He was actually my first booking outside of my home promotion. So it was because of him that I got out there. Like, I, it really was. It was because of him. He's the reason why I got out there. He was my first booking. And then from then on, things just kind of kicked off and skyrocketed. You know, that, that doesn't surprise me that you say that about Alex, because he is very much dedicated to training up the next generation of women wrestling stars. He, he's very serious about that, and he has a very strong track record in doing so. So it, it, it actually warms my heart to hear that you have that type of connection. And it also explains why your quality of work inside the ring is as good as it is, because for, for somebody who has been in the business very long, it's clear that you've been taught the right way and, and, and you've put it together pretty quickly. Um, you know, do, do you attribute that to folks like Alex, just to the fact that you're able to handle yourself in the ring as well as you do? Yes, absolutely. And someone else I have to give credit to is Soul Man Alex G. He's a South Florida legend. He's most known for training MVP. He's also been such a contributing factor to my success. He's been a great mentor. He's someone that really, really just loves what he does. He's so passionate and just always wants to help. He'll tell you straight up how it is. And I really appreciate that about him. He's came to see my matches. And, you know, there's been times that right after my match, you know, I walk through that curtain backstage. I sit down to catch my breath. I already see him walking towards walking towards me and, uh, and it's not always with a smile on his face. He's just coming ready with the critiques. But, you know, I appreciate that. And I value that so much. 
because, you know, you need to hear the truth. I don't just want to hear, oh, great match, you know, because it's never 100% great. There's always things that you can fix. So I like when, when people are honest and straight up with me. And Alex G has done that for me. He does not sugarcoat. If, if he thinks, you know, you did something that, that looks bad, he will tell you. It's very rare for somebody who is so young in the business to end up in such a major promotion like AEW, where, you know, you, you're wrestling different uh, matches there and, and you're wrestling some of the biggest stars in the world in that place there. What, what's something that you learned just being not only just wrestling in AEW, but just being around the talent in AEW? What's something that maybe was an awakening for you that maybe you didn't know before you got there? I really enjoy being there because, you know, when we're not wrestling, we are in the crowd and we get to watch all of the matches and just watching everybody put in the work, just seeing everybody's abilities in the ring. It's, it's really inspiring. And I feel like I've been learning a lot just by watching them. I've been learning a lot more about selling, about presenting your, your character in the ring, how to be more charismatic. So it's a great it's a great opportunity to be there just watching and just yeah I'm just an observer so just watching you learn so much and how you should behave how you should compose yourself backstage everybody there is very respectful so I love that it's it's very laid back as well which surprised me because I thought a company like that was going to be you know very strict and of course, they are strict, but they, they don't make it feel that way. You know, Layla Gray, you are a woman of color, you know, and, and you've come around in the wrestling industry at a time where women of color are receiving opportunities more today than ever before. How important is that? How, how important is that to you to see other women of color uh, advancing in the wrestling industry and, and to see the opportunities continue, continue to open up? It's amazing seeing so many women of color now in pro wrestling and making a name for themselves. It's amazing to see women in general, but as a woman of color, I take pride in representing for, for my people. It's, it's just a very satisfying feeling to see how much we are advancing in this business of pro wrestling. And I, I get a lot of messages from people telling me how, how inspiring I am and I mean, it, it just makes my day. And these are the things that really push you and, and keeps you going. So I'm loving the direction that we are heading in. Women's wrestling as a whole is very hot right now. So the fact that I'm able to represent for women of color, that just means the world to me. For the young people listening out there, Layla Gray, what's a, a piece of advice that you can give them in terms of following their dreams and actually following through on the dreams because i mean certainly this is some, this is a space that you're not only operating in but you're thriving in so what's what's a, a piece of advice that you would give to some young people i would definitely just tell everyone just just keep going keep working hard keep believing if you put in the work the universe will reward you i can admit i've never worked this hard in my life for anything that you know in the past there's things that i've been wanting to accomplish and you know, but I did not put in the work as hard as I should have. And then when pro wrestling came into my life, it completely changed everything. It completely changed me. And I put in so much work 
so much dedication, like literally blood, sweat, and tears. And now I'm starting to see everything pay off. So, you know, a lot of celebrities and all that, um, they'll tell you, oh, yeah, you know, believe in yourself, you know, dreams come true, all of that. And it sounds cliche, but it, it really is true. If you put in the work and if you, you know, keep at it, doing things over and over, working at it, you're going to get better. And eventually you will succeed. So just keep going, keep pushing, keep dreaming, because it's really possible. It's really possible. And, you know, just from, from these past few months, the opportunities that I have gotten, it just has put all that into perspective and just painted a clear picture for me. You know, Layla, you are somebody that, again, I'm very impressed by. You're, you're a fresh face. You're a hard worker in that ring. Clearly, you know, you're, you're absolutely beautiful. And you're absolutely you. vicious. <laughs> you're vicious when you need to be, too, which I, I really like. You definitely have a mean streak in there when you have to, which is important because, you know, in, in wrestling, the whole point is to, to uh, take control of the situation and, and hopefully win you know, and punish your opponent. And you definitely have that down pat. I don't, I don't know. Wh where does that come from? Where, where does it come from? Are you digging down deep when you uh, have to really kick somebody's butt in there? Or does it depend on the situation? Absolutely digging deep. You know, it's to me, it's more than just a match. When I fight, I'm fighting for everything I've ever wanted, fighting for, for what I deserve, fighting to to make something of myself. I did not come from much at all. When I fight, it, it's for all of those things. It's for, it's for a better future. It's, you know, just showing the world what I got. I'm just fighting to make it. Fighting You're for my fighting. family, actually, is a, is a good way to say it as well. There you go. There's a movie by that name. <laughs> the story yeah, of Paige. <laughs> <laughs> so that's ironic that you say that, but it's so true. It's so true. And folks, once again, when we talk about uh, GCW rising best in class with the young professor, Friday, April 9th, 10 a.m., Egypt Shrine Center in Tampa, Florida. You can see great stars like Layla Gray on this card. And I'm pretty certain that if you keep, uh, you know, tuning in to your favorite wrestling shows, not only on TV, but on YouTube, you're going to be seeing even more of Layla Gray because it is she, she's undeniable. You know what I mean? You can't stand in her way. You can't stop her. This is a force to be reckoned with in the pro wrestling industry. There's no two ways about it. Layla, why don't you let everybody know if they want to reach out and just follow you on social media, if, if you have any websites or what have you, if they want to buy merch, what's the best way that people can follow and support Layla Gray? I am on Instagram miss underscore Layla Gray. So M-I-S-S -S underscore Layla Gray. That's also my name on Twitter as well. Miss underscore Layla Gray. And my Facebook fan page is Miss Layla Gray. So Miss Layla Gray, everything, basically. You can find me Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, where I like to post uh, my recent matches. So check those out. And for merch, I usually sell merch on my social media. So People see me post about it on there and uh, Pro Wrestling Tees store opening up shortly. So everybody, please look out for that. I mean, once again, folks, she is very young in the business. So just the fact that so much is going on in such a short period of time and she's still putting it all together. 
but it's all happening at the right time in the right way, which is really what I'm most impressed with. I mean, Layla, you are beyond your years. And, and I think that you have collaborated with the right people. I think you have the right mentors. And more importantly, you have the right sensibility just as an individual. So I'm very excited to see your career continue to blossom because I believe in you, you know, and, and I know that you're going to do some great things in the wrestling industry. No two ways about it. Um, here on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast, everybody knows I am a foodie. I love food. Can't live without food, obviously, but I, I'm, I'm a person that is very, <laughs> I, I feel like when it comes to connecting with people, um, culture is very important and, and what's more cultural than music and food, you know? So before I let you go, I got to ask you this. If, if you're hosting and, you know, you get to decide what's going to be on the menu here, what is Layla Gray's favorite Dominican feast? All right. So forget about diet or if you, if you had to, you know, work out or whatever, just if you're going to indulge, what's Layla Gray's favorite Dominican feast? Anything my mom's cooking basically is my favorite Dominican feast. She just makes great food, everything. But I do love me a Dominican breakfast. And that is mango salami and queso frito. It's a fried cheese salami and like the mashed plants. And I'm sure you probably know about it. <laughs> that is my go to. And it's delicious. And that's definitely what I'll be serving up. Well, you know what? I got to say this. Of course, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I just found something in the past year that that knocked me over. You ready for this? Plantain pizza. So the crust is actually plantain. Have you ever seen yes. that before? I saw this. I saw this on Facebook on like uh, BuzzFeed or, or one of those. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One of those videos. Yes, I saw it. I saw it. And um, instead of pepperoni, they put uh, salami. Yes. Oh, my God. That looked amazing. I actually have it saved because one day I said I'm going to make it. Well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll see if that ever happens. But I do have it saved on my phone in case one day I ever decide to try it. But right, it well, looks listen, delicious. I'm going to I'm going to make a deal with you. OK, and, and this is exclusive here on the Duke Loves Wrestling podcast. Everyone, Layla Gray, when you make this. Well, you promise that you put it on YouTube because we got to see you put this thing together here, or at least we got to see you do the taste test. Can, can you promise that you'll do that? Yes, absolutely. I'll make a whole video and everything of me making it and me tasting it and giving a review. And I'm honest. If it sucks, it sucks. <laughs> Mr. Tony Schiavone, and we're definitely out of time on Duke Love Wrestling.